1: Hello, good evening and welcome to this week's Award Ringing Man on the Post. Uh, my name is Chris, I am your host. Uh, with me I have got Mark.
2: Hello. I have got, from his deathbed, I've got Colin. Hi there, yeah, just suffering with the old flu. So, a um, bit, bit, bit on the groggy side. And um, holding his violin full of sympathy, we've got a new boy on the show. We've got
1: uh, Tom. How are you, Tom? All right?
3: Uh, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad.
1: Good man. Uh, two questions for you. What team is your team of choice?
3: Oh, Leeds United. Another Leeds fan. Yeah, we've picked a good day to uh, do a podcast, haven't we? About Leeds. <laughs> uh, and have you ever seen The Wire? Sorry?
1: And have you ever seen The Wire? Yes, oh, I have. Good man. Who's your favourite character?
3: Oh, good question. All of them.
1: Uh, Omar could have been the right <laughs> answer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we'll we start off, we're going to do some Premier League talk and then we'll be talking about uh, the Champions League, our Leicester City five-a-side team um, and a bit of work that Steve, uh, that, sorry, Steve, Tom, uh, does in the community. But first of all, the reason I said Steve is because we've got two Leeds fans on and we've got Leeds news. Um, Steve Evans is the new manager of Leeds United uh, after Uwe Roswell's given his P45. Um, Tom, are you a happy Leeds fan tonight?
3: Uh, no. To be honest, I'm uh, very, very, very disappointed. Um, you know, I mean, we're getting used to this now, aren't we, with uh, managers getting sacked from Leeds. I mean, we've had good managers. We've had Brian McDermott, um, who, in my opinion, should never have been sacked, uh, and who was the right man to take us forward. We've had uh, Neil Redfern, who, by all accounts, done a very good job, and again was sacked. Relationships uh, broke down. Uh, and that just seems to be a trend with this uh, Italian owner that we have, um, who just seems to just keep falling out with people. I mean, uh, he's had quite a few chief executives work under him, uh, managers, and um, it's just to be honest with you, it's unacceptable. This was at a, um, club, at a club like Leeds, you know. This was
1: all entirely predictable from Cellino's um, behaviour back in Italy. It was Cangry, wasn't it? He was the manager, uh, the owner.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, history shows there that uh, I think it was, was it, thirty-eight managers in twenty-two years or something like that that he sacked, and um, you, you know, and you look at the history of of that club as well; you, they weren't successful, hmm. and uh, you know, as Leeds United we haven't had success in in years, but um, the club traditionally um, is a big club, and uh, and and as fans we strive. We do strive for success, but um, it just seems to be that is, uh, you know, it just feels like it's never going to happen ever again. Because, you know, we've been I'd say the Premier League now for for what is it, twelve years or something like that, and um, it just doesn't seem to be any closer. Common.
1: Um, was he a good manager, Ray Rosler? I mean, he did a right at Brentford. He stank out a little bit at Wigan, and then um, I,
2: that, I don't um, think so. I don't yeah, think so. Well,
3: I, I I do think so because um, I mean he spoke very well about the game his philosophy was you know w- was quite popular in, in the modern game as well um, he called it heavy metal football which everybody is uh, you know there's a lot of talk at the moment about Jurgen Klopp and that's his type of football so um, yeah I think he was he was a good manager uh, just you know just wasn't given enough time just like like quite a few managers under under the the current owner at the moment.
2: So you think he was he wasn't a good manager, Colin? No. Well, let's put it into a little bit of perspective. I mean, um, after the game on Saturday, Leeds lost again, and um, I'm on a WhatsApp chat with Adam, Ross, Tom, and Greg, and I said, "Look, guys, I'm making a prediction. This week, Rosler's getting sacked. Mm-hmm. Bang came in. The, for for me, Rosler was. I th- I think he was." Um, I'll be honest I think he was clueless right I think I think some of the yeah. decisions he made I think um the players he he didn't seem to have a understand a formation I think the team was crying out for 442 um it came out on saturday that a player called Scott Wharton is a you know higher in the defensive pecking order than Sam Byram who's been frozen out of the team you could argue that's a chelino thing um but I, I knew that Rosler was gone um Leeds form currently is is, is Relegation form and, um, from what I could see on the Legionnaire chat boards, there weren't that many Rosler fans on there. Um, I, I think ironically, the thing that would have kept Rosler potentially in a job a little bit longer is the fact that Chilino doesn't want this image of him being a, you know, a, a manager eater. Um, so that was actually what was keeping him in a job. But I think what's maybe pushed it over the edge is that the Football League have said that Chilino's failed the owners and directors test? To, no. Uh, has he? He has. No way. <laughs> um, this time over a, an imported um, Land Rover, which was, and, and then there was a fine with that, and uh, he, he was found guilty by a court in Sardinia um, in June, um, and on that, the Football League have said he's guilty. So um, we're going to need another guy at the helm when he, he gets suspended for a bit. Um, which I think is only like a, f- a couple of months or a few months And then you, c- you can come back into action um, But yeah So it was It was literally this Today, Ross are sacked And then Steve Evans takes training Then Steve Evans appointed And then literally within two minutes It was Chilino potentially banned well, So lo- 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 A lot to fit in a day <laughs> Steve Evans is a man with a moral say. compass isn't he Steve Evans is a man with a moral compass, isn't he? So well, I don't I don't know too much about his history. I know it's I know it's a little bit murky. Um, but but the thing is and I'm sure Tom's in the same position and by the way, Tom, I completely agree with Brian McDermott. He was the guy for me. He was yeah, the guy. Yeah. Yeah, Red, fern definitely... did, Red fern did did a job. The mm-hmm. rest mm-hmm. I am not too hot about, but Brian McDermott. Yeah, well was a good
3: Yeah, guy. well I mean you can't you can't argue with uh, Dave Hackaday and uh, Malanich, Milanich, you know, as, <laughs> as choices of of managers, I mean, that, that for me is just uh, absolutely incredible. You know, I had the pleasure of of watching Brian McDermott work uh, at the training ground at the academy. Uh, the, t- you know, working with the first team there, everybody really respected him, everybody really liked him. Um, you know, his uh, philosophy on the game I thought was very good. He was a very nice person. And... Um, but one that that spoke very well about the club about his vision for the club moving forward and for me it was uh, it was a bad decision to to let him go
2: well well now we've got a predicament I mean the thing is Steve Evans at the end of the day we've got to get behind the manager the Leeds fans will um, yeah. he's going he's going to be crazy I think um mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it might work. I, I don't know. But I, um,
3: know. I mean, we've been here. We've been here before, haven't we? You know. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I'd love to see it working, but I just can't. I just can't under this current uh, current donor. He's, he, you know, he just makes decisions on impulse, and and that's and that's it. And and whenever he had Adam Pearson there, I think Adam Pearson sort of was a was a calming effect on him because. Mm. Um, you know, Adam obviously has a lot of experience in football and knows a lot about the game. And uh, you know, the step, the the ship steadied whenever Adam was there, and um, it's just back to the same old, same old.
2: Right. Well, well, what I, I would say just very briefly, is, is Chris Mark as outsiders looking in. What what do you see when when you look at Leeds United? Come okay. um, on. What?
0: Well, today today just seems to be. Um, You know the the typical sort of day at Leeds United for the past, certainly the last couple of years while Jolino's been there, um, but it's hardly as if it wasn't a bit of a pantomime before that, going back to Ken Bates and and Peter Ridsdale before that. Um, But it almost seemed like Steve Evans to Leeds was was written in the stars for me. At some point, with what's been, you know, the the circus that's going on there, it was almost inevitable that 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 was going to happen. And, you know... It's it's just going to be another crazy ride for the next three, four, five months. That you imagine Evans might keep the job if he doesn't turn them into promotion material, which he's not going to. And and even if he was able to, it's unlikely he's going to do that in in the space of a few months until Chileno's back in his, you know, back in his um, in his office at Ellen Road. So, um, again, it's it's just the same old merry-go-round with Leeds United, as as everybody would agree. I think that that Leeds deserve, or should be, in the Premier League, um, the size of the club they are, but when's the likelihood that that's ever going to happen? You know, it's just... It's crazy, and how the the guy ever passed that um, fit and proper person's test in the first place um, just will remain one of the biggest mysteries ever in football.
1: Uh, Right. We're going to move on, I'm afraid. Uh, Because you weren't the only team to get a new manager this weekend. Um, big Sam took, I tell you, we'll, we'll start with Big Sam, because everybody else has started with uh, Klopp, so let's do a, a Big Sam show. Who saw this one? West Brom versus Sunderland. Um, West Brom won Sunderland 0. Ciderberrino, little Ciderberrino clattered into uh, big old Costel Pantillamon with his controversial goal there. Who scored, who saw this one?
0: I saw the goal, and I saw a bit of hoo-ha at the end with James McLean, which wouldn't be the first time, but That was about all I took any notice of on Match of the Day on,
1: on Saturday night. Well, that goal, the first time I saw it, I thought it was okay. It was only after I saw it in slow motion a couple of times that really I thought maybe it probably wasn't a goal.
0: Yeah, uh, certainly on second glance, um, he's gone into the goalkeeper without any real intention to go for the ball, in my opinion. um, And he didn't really get anywhere near it. Pantillaman should have been stronger, obviously, being about twice the size of Berra But if you're in the air and someone clatters you, you are going to go down a bit, aren't you? Well, yeah, there's potential to, you know, if you're knocked off your balance or whatever. Um, And I always think, okay, it's on a goalkeeper and we know that a lot of the time they're they're very protected by the referees. But certainly when I see a foul in the area, I, I think... Referees often apply different rules to fouls that go on in the area. And you think, well, would that have been a free kick elsewhere on the pitch if Berejino had jumped into Lee Catamol in an aerial challenge and knocked him over like that? Would it have been a free kick? Almost certainly it would have been given. So why wasn't it given then? And you have to think as well that pantillaman there's an argument to say that he had possession of the ball because he had two hands on it when he was on the ground. Yet Berejino's kicked the ball out of his hands to then go and score the goal. So...
1: It was kind of a double whammy, really. Yeah, I agree entirely. Tony uh, Ch- Pulis described James McLean as not the sharpest tool in the shed. Um, mm. Tom, I'm going to come to you, if only probably because you share similar accents to James McLean. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what do you make of him?
3: Um, well, I think he's he's obviously very controversial. I mean, you think he chooses uh,
1: to be, or do you think if he if he's taken this abuse from the Sunderland fans throughout the game, is he entitled to give him a bit back at the end?
3: Well, um, I think he needs to remember that he's a professional footballer and he's getting paid a lot of money. And, um, you know, I mean, football fans, that's what they're there to do. Let's be honest about it. You know, give the opposition a bit of stick. Um, and to be, to be totally honest with you, I don't think he should have reacted in, in the way that he did, you know. Um, and that's, that's just my opinion on it. Uh, James McLean as a player... Um, I think he's just, he's just okay, to be honest with you. You hmm. know, he's a lot of energy without a lot of quality. And that's just how I see him as a player, you know. But uh, some people may think different.
1: Um, Sunderland now bottom; they are five points from safety. Big Sam, can you turn this around, anybody? The
0: likelihood is that he will. You know, his record says that he will. Um, and... I, you know, you've got the three promoted teams have done all right up to this point, but it's the the hard part of the season is about to kick in now, isn't it? the The novelty, if you like, or the the surprise factor that they've got, um, is going to certainly hinder them. Um, some don't have got a new manager; they'll have the bounce effect that that can often give. Sometimes it doesn't, but often it does. You've got Allardyce, he knows exactly what he's doing. Um, you would imagine. That they will scrape enough points, while the three that came up will begin to struggle. Aston Villa look like they're going nowhere fast, and of course they'll be one of the two other teams who will end up being mired in all of that by January when it really people start to hit the panic buttons and so on.
1: Well, next up, Sunderland—they're at home to Newcastle. Nice, quiet, northeastern affair there
2: for you for James McLean. Um, just, just, on. Just, just on that, Chris, I just want to say I, I've got a different opinion on this. I, I think Sunderland's dead and buried. I, th- I think the, the minimum that Sunderland needed was, was an injection of cash, which I think Dick Advocate was promised. And uh, obviously it never came to fruition. Um, and I, 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 the, the players they've got just isn't good enough. So um, I, know, I know Sam's record and everything like that, but hey, if you look back at Sunderland last season, it, it, you know, they weren't as bad as all that. They, they did put in, get some draws and, and put in a few good fighting performances, I don't think Sam's going to change much, um, I, I think they're definites for uh, relegation I'm afraid,
1: yeah, mm-hmm.
3: yeah yeah. I would agree, I mean um, I think Sam will have a uh, an impact in the short term but at the end of the day it comes down to players and if you don't have the quality of players available to you, you'll struggle,
2: yeah, you know? it, it, seem, it seems like it's the, the interim sort of short-term fix, right? We're not going to spend on players, but we'll spend some money on a big manager, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which, and, and Sam Allardyce comes at a price, yeah? Um, and, you know, Sunderland talked of, all oh, right, we've appointed Sam Allardyce, then we're going to have this. We want a, a long-term vision for the Premier League and our future in the Premier League, and that's why we've appointed Sam. What did they do? They gave him a two-year contract. That's not long-term. Yeah. Well, well S- Sunderland's modus operandi, however,
0: is pretty short term. You know, they get themselves into this mess around every October and then spend the rest of the season trying to scramble to get out of it. So it's not this isn't verging ground for them. Um, they they know how this works. The The thing that they can't seem to
1: break is getting themselves into this predicament every year. Is eight managers in six years or something? I mean, at some point, this isn't going to be the manager's fault. It must be the same group of players that they got in such a short space of time. It's got to be the manager, uh, the players' fault at some point. It it has to be whoever's whoever's um, laying out the direction of that club.
0: You know, you, you, there doesn't seem to be a great um, you know a, a route map out for where they want to go and what they want to do. You know, they've got more money to spend than a lot of teams. Who seem to know what they want to do with themselves, without you know being serious contenders ever to be you know top four. Um, but you can you can be successful in other ways um, without all of that. And Sunderland don't seem to what don't don't seem to have the, the clarity in how they want to get to that position. They just that it's the short termism over and over, sacking managers uh, once every year. Buying the wrong type of player, I think, is, is their issue, and not and not really developing their own.
1: Um, We're well, going from then, to another team with a new manager, Liverpool. Uh, Jurgen Klopp, finally made his long-awaited entrance. I think, personally, uh, Spurs drew 0-0 at Liverpool. This is probably the best result for Liverpool, because if they'd won this, then, with the fanfare Klopp's been given on his way in, um, Liverpool fans' expectations would have gone, straight through the ceiling, I think. Um. You could see the effect of it. I, was, I mean, I saw this game. I don't know if anybody else did. You could see that their pressing was increasing. Uh, Chan had more of a role in the central midfield rather than a left-back or right-back or wherever he's been playing. They ran more than they ran this season. They've run 116 kilometres this game. Um, so you can see some of the differences he's made. Uh, the last manager to win his first Liverpool game, anybody? Julien? Yeah, he's Uh anybody, think, anybody see this game? What do they think?
0: Yeah I I, yeah, I watched it with in you know with intrigue as I'm sure everybody else did. Yeah. And I would say what you just mentioned there about Liverpool running further than than they have done for some time um that I think that was pretty evident they started off well came out of the traps well almost scored scored early on and they did seem to have a lot more energy than you've seen certainly in the beginning of this of this season and for quite a while actually. Um but I think there's still there's still a lack of quality there, whether they don't have it in the squad or or whether they, um, you know, people like Sturridge being injured. They're, they're still lacking. I think Tottenham showed a bit more quality than them without ever really threatening to to run away with the game. Um, but you know, again, you mentioned about Liverpool fans getting carried away with themselves. I mean, they're they're the, they're the masses at that. Um, and yeah, you're right. A couple, a couple of, of solid performances rather than spectacular performances. Would would certainly help the fans come back down to earth a little bit, and you know, like like it is when any manager comes in, it's a rebuilding job. He's got a squad full of Brendan Rodgers and his confused signings and his confused systems and so on. It's going to take a long, quite a while for Klopp to unravel all of that, bring in some of his own players, and then put his own own stamp on that team. So we, sh- well, I say we. I- I'd be happy for them to <laughs> down the pan, but. Neutrals and Liverpool fans should be prepared for the long haul if they believe that Jurgen Klopp is the the man who's going to get them back into the Champions League and then eventually, who knows, put in another challenge for the for the championship.
1: Okay, Tom, I'm looking at your Skype profile. There's a picture of you on your football pitch with your uh, shell suit or tracky bottoms that you're wearing. Um, so you've obviously got some kind of coaching experience. He's only had these players for a couple of days, and already you could see the change. You could see Chan playing in midfield, like I said. They seem to be running a bit more. They seem to be tacking down the channels a bit more. Um, And then when they came off at the end, the first thing he did, he walked over to Sacco to give him a little bit of piece of advice, and then he goes straight over to Lucas to do the same thing. Can a manager or a coach make that much difference in such a a short space of time?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, the the thing that you have to remember is that... uh... I mean, when a new manager comes in, the players are playing for their, basically they're playing for the future, you know. Um, and when a man like Jurgen Klopp comes in with a reputation, you know, players are going to listen to him and, and, and it automatically adds on an extra 10, 15, 20% to their game. So, um, I mean, it's no surprise that they, that they run a bit further um, because Jurgen Klopp's philosophy is that heavy metal football. Uh, that he likes players to to work very hard, press high up the pitch. You know, to press high up the pitch, you need a very uh, high energetic uh, performance from your players. And um, yeah, I mean, there's no, it's you know, when a new manager comes in, ninety percent of, of the time you see an improvement in performances. Um, but it's uh, for me, it's always a short term fix unless he gets the opportunity to bring in his own players. Mm. Um, you know,
1: go on. What, what were you going to say? Sorry.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, I was just saying. You know, for me, it's just boils down to players. You know, uh, I think he will get a lot more out of these th- this group of players than what Brandon Rodgers did. Mm. Um, and and you know, I was a Brandon Rodgers fan to be honest with you, I Still am, but I think Klopp will get a whole lot more out of them. Um, you know, physically and, and tactically and and and. Uh, and I think that they'll perform a lot better on them. Um However, he will only get so far unless he gets a chance to bring in his own players. And this whole scenario at Liverpool with a, a transfer committee, um, for me, I mean, I, I struggle to see the benefits of it unless the manager gets the final say.
1: No, every team must have a committee of some sort. A manager just doesn't decide, I'm going to have him and goes out and gets him. He's got to have permission from the owner whose money it is and things like that, not he?
3: Well, I mean, at the end of the day, the owner is the man with the money, and he's the one who says yes or no, but, um, I mean, I, you know, as much as I I hate to say it, but I always go back to the Manchester United scenario when Alex Ferguson, and Alex Ferguson had the final say in terms of what players came in and, and uh, and what players went at the end of yep. the day, and, uh, I mean, you can't, you can't, you just can't argue with the record that, that he's had and, and what they have had, and, uh, the modern game seems to be going towards this whole committee or, or a group of people that, that decide what players come in. And, and uh, for me, it's it's a very tricky situation, you know.
1: Okay.
0: Liverpool need a figurehead. And I think there was nobody more appropriate for that role that was available than Jurgen Klopp. And I think um, you can have all the committees and everything else. I think that's possibly Rogers's um downfall for him in the end was that he was never a i don 't think he was ever strong enough or ever um high profile enough in the in the mold of Shankly's of the past or um Benitez i suppose more more recently um that have always tended to be um you know key to liverpool's success so they've they've got the manager that they want the 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 inspirational type figure if you like um it's now up to it's now up to him to prove how that what he did at Dortmund and, and months before that was no fluke.
1: Okay, uh, moving on to Watford versus Arsenal. I um, wish oh, this one. Watford seemed to do okay. Three goals in eleven minutes, though, seemed to kill them off. They were appealing for a penalty one and then they went and conceded straight down the other. Um, Troy Deeney, I've got him on my fantasy team because I was told by other members of this podcast that he would be great but he's had the most shots in the Premier League with no goals so far. Um, <laughs> I mm. think I've picked a dud there, haven't I? Uh, but Watford t- they seemed to do okay in this one, didn't they? And then uh, as soon as Arsenal scored, that was it.
0: I, I, I didn't watch it myself, but um, I can just tell you from having seen Watford in the flesh in the first game of the season, that um, they're really, really well organised, play some decent football, and they've got a lot of pace on the counter-attack. Um, I I fancied them to to struggle big time this season, but having seen the first, what is it, eight or nine games now, out of the three teams that came up, I would probably put them as the favourites out of those to stay up, having seen them.
1: Hmm. Uh, Chelsea to Villanil, Diego Costa came back, scored a goal, and walloped another shot into Alan Hutton, who then scored an own goal. Um, Colin, did you see any of this one at all? Um, I I didn't actually see this one, no. (laughs) No? Uh, You missed... Uh, Not only did you miss a a Brad Guzan error, he threw the ball out to his defender who then got tackled by Willian, um, but also Match of the Day saw fit to do some kind of Brad Guzan error montage in the highlights afterwards as well, show all the mistakes (laughs) he's made over the last few months or so, which is really, really very kind of them. Hazard and Matic both dropped for this one, um, and all of a sudden Chelsea now only five points behind fourth place. Villa still no win since the opening day of the season. Mm, Well... You know my opinion of Tim Sherwood. You're his number one fan, aren't you? Absolutely love him. (laughs) (laughs) This could be Brendan Rodgers' next haunting ground.
0: Well, David Moyes seems to be the name being linked. Um, What you know, without the seat even going cold, if Sherwood gets the bullet. Yeah.
1: Right, Tom. Yeah. Have you? you, um, Do you want to pull yourself up a uh, a pillow or something like that and? uh... Have a rest for the next few minutes. Yeah, Everton, yeah. Everton, nil. Manchester United, three mark. <laughs>
0: I mean, what do you want me to say? If I Matt, again, anybody, I, I saw the whole game, but if anybody saw match of the day, um, I think it was mostly all Manchester United highlights, and I think that was being kind to Everton. Was there any Howard Kendall effect? If there was, it that it's it's a very terribly poor
1: excuse for it to have had such an effect on the team in that way. But any- would it would have it, it affected the fans, which would then not affected the fans, but would it would go to some part yeah. you know, a bit more subdued than normal and then the, the team sort of riffed off that a little bit? Well I think like like ninety
0: nine percent of the Premier League grounds, the home atmosphere is generally terrible. You know, not it's not um particularly raucous atmosphere you go to any Premier League ground and Everton's no different except for the big games when United play there or Chelsea or Liverpool or whatever. But it was strangely quiet. Not strangely, I think it's completely understandable why that was, but um, you would have thought that the crowd would have been in good voice and they weren't. Whether that transmitted to the players or not is another matter, but if they're professional footballers playing Manchester United at home on a day like that, they should have performed a lot better. Now, you 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 can play badly, that's fair enough, but they were all so woeful it was untrue. Uh, and again, this comes back to, we've talked about it plenty of times, the, the almost schizophrenic, um, inconsistent nature of uh, Roberto Martinez's team and that, that group of players, they can be brilliant one week and absolutely garbage the other the, the next week. And it was very reminiscent of most of last season, what what we saw on, on Saturday. So I'd hope for a big um, improvement next time, which is away to Arsenal. So we'll probably still get tonked. But as long as they play 100% better than they did on Saturday, I think that, you know, I can accept that because Arsenal are a better team. Um, But I don't want to slip into a run of performances like that again because we did that last year. And for a long time last season, it started getting very, very uh, nervy that we were going to end up in a relegation battle. Um, and United, just to quickly comment on United, I thought I don't think they were brilliant. They didn't have to be, but they were very, very well organised, very professionally set up, and they were, you know, they were pretty ruthless. They did what they had to do. Totally deserved the win.
1: Kind of a little call by Louis Van Gaal, wasn't it? Take out Blint and put in Jones um, mm-hmm. to well, cope I, with the khaki. I think for, I, I've thought for a long time that um,
0: Ferguson made the wrong move by buying Phil Jones for. Twelve, fifteen million, whatever it was, and then started faffing about with this position when it was already obvious that village and Ferdinand were on were kind of not not necessarily on the last legs when they bought them, but that um, that they needed to be a gradual phasing out of the two. Um, and I think it's, it's I think it's put Jones mm-hmm. back a lot, and it's also put the potential of the Jones Small in partnership back a year or two by not playing them together more often. That's where they should be, and there is no way on on God's earth that Daddy Blind is a centre half. So it's about time that he's played that, and I don't think he should swap from that formation, that, uh, that pairing now that he's, he's got it in place.
1: Very good advantage for, um, was it Schneidling goal when Martial fell over?
0: No, it was the Herrera header. Oh, uh, that was it, yeah. Yeah,
1: it was. Uh, but there were,
0: I mean, the referee, we complain about referees every week, but he, John Moss is spectacularly inconsistent. There were two or three times for both teams where he could have played advantage when there were excellent attacking. Um, opportunities, and he's a- after the goal, and then he's blown up and stopped the game. So, yeah, uh, if if that had been, of course, as an Everton I would love him to have blown for the free kick at that point. Um, but in yeah you
1: know, didn't really make any difference at the end. I Everton mean, were way off the pace. Uh, Gareth Barry, 550 Premier League starts, is now second to David James. Oh. Have you you've been swatting
0: up this week, haven't you? I seem to remember that caption coming up on the um, match today.
1: It's still a surprise that Ryan Giggs didn't start more than David James. uh, 571, David James. Yeah. Uh, I find it very strange. Like you say, Ryan Giggs didn't. But then Ryan Giggs only played 60 times for Wales, so... Yeah, which meant he should have had his legs... Maybe that's why he had a 20-year career, because he didn't play every single week. No, he didn't. Um, right, moving on down to Solihull Park, Crystal Palace one, West Ham three. Um, the Dwight Gale show. This was. Did anybody see this one? Yeah, me again. You again? <laughs> well, <laughs> again, I saw. I yeah, yeah, it. yeah, I saw it as well. Yeah. Oh, come on, then, Colin. Um I enjoyed Dwight Gale in this one. He encroached on that penalty that Cabaye had to take again, um, and then two very
2: silly uh, yellow cards, wasn't weren't they? He was over enthusiastic, wasn't he? Well, like a puppy. I, I mean, I, I, well, the, the, the second one definitely. I mean, he, he trod on his foot, which fair enough. But um, I don't think there was any particular malice in it. But it's a yellow card, so he got he got what he got, didn't he? Um, Alan Pardee said he ruined everyone's day. The referee, it was Clattenburg.
1: I don't mind Clattenberg, you know. I like Clattenberg, He comes with a lot of stick, doesn't he? Hmm. I like his hair. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see this one, Tom?
3: Uh, no, no, actually, I didn't. But um, yeah, no, as I say, I didn't see it. But um, Mark Clattenburg, for me, I think he's a good referee, to be honest. I think um, he is, isn't is he. Yeah, I think so. I think he comes in well, with a lot of referees for a lot of stick, but. You know, I think he's very fair. He's, uh, I think he's a good referee, to be he's, honest. He's there
1: for a lot of controversial things, wasn't he? It was he and the John Ibn Mikel. He was the referee then, wasn't it, With the, when he allegedly said something that he should yeah. have said. Things like that tend to follow him around a little bit.
3: Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. But, I mean, it comes down to human error as well. Like, you know, referees, for me, it's a job that I wouldn't entertain. I wouldn't do it for... For a million pound, to be honest with you, because it's, it's an absolute nightmare. No. Um, you're constantly in the in, in the uh, in the, in the you know in, in the middle, obviously, and people are judging you every single decision that you make, and you're not going to get them all right.
1: Scottish rugby fans are sympathising with you right now, aren't
3: they? <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe just not good enough at the end of the day. So.
1: Um, Karl Jenkinson scored then conceded a penalty straight away uh, which Yohan Kabai had to retake now Yohan Kabai has scored penalties in four successive games now he's the only the fourth person to do this Uh, anyone want to take a stab at the other three unless Mark's already read it
0: what was the question sorry
1: Yohan Kabai scored four successive penalties in Premier League games right and he's the fourth person to do this so who were the previous three Leighton Baines no I'll give you a clue uh, Arsenal, Manchester United and Liverpool were the teams these players play for Gerard? No Rooney No Fowler going... No This is going to go on for a while isn't it
3: Owen Ma- Owen oh, There you go yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm. Michael Owen uh, Lee Dixon Lee Dixon Penalties
3: He used to say,
0: penal- used to say penalties for Arsenal
3: Thierry Henry no.
0: No. no Penalties
1: for Arsenal uh, Bergkamp No Vieira No David Platt David Seaman no Ian Wright Ian Wright ok and we'll ah. Man United yep horsey face
0: <laughs>
1: there you go uh, so yeah only the fourth player to do that um, Southampton 2 Leicester City 2 smug people with Jamie Vardy in their fancy team are sticking their hands in the air right now um, City 2 nil down now they keep doing this don't they they keep coming back from behind and people saying well can they keep doing it but yes they do Seventh point this season they've gained from a losing position.
0: Yeah, and we all scoffed, didn't we?
1: We did. Start the season with Vanieri, you know. Well. No one's scoffing pizzas because he's promised a pizza for the, if they keep a clean sheet. they have not done that yet. Um, mm. They're unbeaten away in eight and Jamie Vardy has scored ten in his last ten Premier League games. Anyone see Virgil van Dijk's goal in this? This was quite funny. This was where he was offside and about a yard out hit the post and luckily it came back to him. No, I missed this one. Legit, this was the, the I can't the first or second goal. Uh, Fonte scored the first goal, didn't he? Mm. Um, it came from a corner, and he was offside, and it came to him about a yard out, and he walloped it against the post, and came back, and he had to wallop
2: it back into the goal. Um, That's just me, then. I mean, one thing I would say is that I mean, Le- Leicester are fifth as it currently stands. West Ham fourth, and then then you've got the usual candidates, you know, Manu. Arsenal, Man City. But, I'm not being funny, but if, if you can put a half-decent team together with a half-decent manager and put a good run of form together, you can reinvent your club in this Premier League, can't you? It's so open. I mean, everybody had Leicester down to get relegated. I know I did.
1: Yeah. We um, remember, we remember it, don't worry.
2: But, you know, I, I, it's, it, because, you know, it's the... the biggest league in the world, or whatever you want to call it. You know, the fact that it's so open just it amazes me. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen it in years gone by when Tottenham had Bale, Liverpool had Suarez,
0: and and other teams have got one star player. It is worth, you know, 10, 12 points a season. You know, look at you mentioned West Ham there. I, I think Billage is a great manager. I'd have him at Everton tomorrow. You know, they, they've put him in charge, and they've bought that Payet, who... I'd really never heard of before he joined them, but all the reports that you read said he was a very, very good signing for them, mm. and he's come in and looked brilliant, you know, so they, by adding a good manager and one seemingly really good player, they've gone from, you know, just treading water in mid-table under Allardyce, with, and with virtually the same players, just with this little bit of tweaking you know, okay, they're not going to stay up there for the entire season, but there's no
1: reason in the league so tight that they can't finish top seven. Tom, I'm looking at you again in your coaching outfit on Skype. (laughs) Yeah. Um, There is quite a broad middle class of Premier League teams at the moment, aren't they? Like they've they've said, Leicester City, Crystal Palace, West Ham, all this TV money that's now starting to come in. Um, With more of an equal footing of... Uh, money being distributed and teams like Palace being able to attract players like Yo Um is coaching more important than ever.
3: Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, the quality is, you know, I mean, in the Premier League especially, it's uh, it's it's a cut above the rest. And as you said, there's a lot of teams that are in, a, in and around the same sort of. Points tally at this stage of the season, and there's not. It's very tight, and there's not much in it. And um, the small details, the small differences, you know, make a huge make a huge contribution by the end of the season. You know, and uh, I mean, look at Alan Porgy. Look at the difference that he's made there, at Crystal Palace. I mean, it's incredible where he's ta- where he's taken them over the course of uh, a very short time, and uh, you know, small details. You know, I know a couple of people that has worked under Alan Pardy and I speak very, very highly of him. And, uh, I mean, yeah, coaching for me is uh, the small details. It's, it's all about the small details. It's all about the wee things that you do in training, preparation for games. And, and ultimately, that they can make a huge difference.
1: Marginal gains, as Team Sky would say.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's it. And uh, it, it is... It is true, it's the finer details, you know, I had on a coaching session last week and, you know, uh, working on, on shape in terms of the back four and, and the just two sitting midfield players. And um, we were talking about communication and, and I would said that it. it's not communication, it's information. It's the information that you give across to your players, um, uh, you know, to your teammates. It's not about telling them you're there, it's telling them where you are. Mm. Um, it's telling them how far away you are from them. Uh, it's telling them the, the movement and and, and the and trying to paint a picture to them of what's going on in behind them uh, and things like that. It's just the small details make a big difference.
1: OK. Um, right, we'll rattle on with the last couple of Premier League games. Uh, Manchester City won, no, Manchester City 5 Bournemouth won. Uh, Raheem Sterling hat-trick. Um, Bournemouth should have had a penalty when this was nil. No, and Raheem Sterling was offside for his first goal. So this all could have been a little bit different, could it?
2: I'm not sure Bomber should have had a penalty. Do you not think? No. No, I think it would have been a bit of a soft one if it had been given. Um, Do you think? He was nowhere near the ball. I can't remember who the mm. defender was. Was it Otamendi, was it? I, I don't recall. Um, but, no, I I, I think, anyway, either, even if they had a penalty or not, they, they wouldn't have won that game. It would have been 5 too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what stood out for me was uh, was Federici for Bournemouth. He he, he didn't, didn't have it, a good day, did he? He didn't have his best day, no. And and if and if you're up against Manchester City, then you've got to be right on top of it, haven't you? Well, eleven goals in two games for uh, for City, um, and they scored the six of the weekend
1: against Newcastle, who scored six themselves this week. Um, four goals for um, you're going to have to help me with this one. Whoever's a hipster. Win Giorgio Vinaldum. Ah, good lad there you go. Uh, as they beat Norwich 6-2. Um now they scored five goals in the 21st half minute. Six goals overall. Norwich still had more goal uh, more shots than Newcastle. They had 18 compared to Newcastle's 11.
0: Hmm.
1: Uh this is only the second it goes like that, doesn't it? Yeah, it does sometimes, doesn't it? It's only the second away loss, isn't it for Alex Neil? You sing his praises, don't you? Yeah, I like him. I think he'll learn from it. Um, I think he,
0: his post match um, press conference, he seemed very um, circumspect about it all. He didn't, uh, he didn't try and play the old hangdog look that Sherwood does after getting spanked. Um, he faced up to it. You know, was very um, honest, realistic, honest in in what he was saying. Um, so I, I think. Isn't, Norwich will finish where they finished because of him, you know, good or bad. I think I think he's a good good young manager.
1: I'd like to see him see
0: out the season. I'd like to
1: see him stay up and then see where he can take them from there. OK. Um, right, we'll rattle on through a couple of Champions League games because we've got some English teams in action this week. Tomorrow night, we've got Arsenal at home to Bayern Munich. Now, Bayern Munich missing Iron Robin, Frank Rimmery and Arturo Vidal. So this could be Arsenal's chance. They need the points, don't they? Colin, you
2: reckon you can see an Arsenal win? Perhaps it's difficult, isn't it? You don't, you don't really know with uh, Arsenal in Champions League, do you? It's just... Well, Bayern have won their last two visits to
1: Arsenal, and in the Champions League this season, they scored eight and letting none. Does that help you?
2: It, it's the Champions League, mate. I'm not his biggest fan. No. So, um, <laughs> i mean I, I, I am one of these guys who do hope that the English teams prosper, whoever go and represent us mm. but i 'll be brutally honest with you i don 't really take a detailed interest in it
1: No okay well we 'll
2: move on to the next one Dinamo Kiev, managed by anybody
1: Reprov, good man so oh, really? yeah so guy Reprov uh, versus Chelsea um, last time Dinamo beat Maccabee two uh, nil and they 've also drew two to a Porto. Um, and of course Chelsea beaten by Porto 2-1 last time mm. where, where is it at? Uh, it's in Kiev I think yeah that'll be,
0: that's going to be tough I yeah, haven't but... seen Everton get murdered by them last year in Kiev um, they don't lose often there in domestic or European competition they've
1: lost so, one at their last 10
0: yeah Kiev. I think if Chelsea can get out of there with a draw that would be a good result anything better than that they should be over the moon with it
1: ok Um Manchester United away to CSK in Moscow. Um, both teams lost and won their second game. And Last season, CSK came down from 2-0 down to beat draw 2-2 with Manchester City. Uh, United have won one out of their last seven against Russian teams.
0: Yeah, see, see the last comment regarding Chelsea. <laughs> yeah. On that one, I think, yeah. Oh. Get a point, they should, uh, they should be happy with the point. But, you know, that's... That's not in Manchester United's mentality, is it really, to be going only for a point? But European football, I think even take away Barcelona, Real Madrid, I think even European football like international football, the quality is, is the the gap between the, the haves and the have-nots not, have is shrinking a little bit.
1: Okay. Uh, Tom, you can have the last word on this one. Manchester City versus Seville. Um City beat Mönchengladbach back last time out in Seville. Lost to Juventus. Uh, no Aguero or Silva for Manchester City, but Navas faces his uh, former former team. What do you reckon is going to happen in this one?
3: Yeah, well, it's, uh, I think it, to be to be totally honest with you, I think it's only a matter of time before Man City turn it around and in, in the Champions League. Um, I certainly hope that they do, uh, and I, I I do think that they will. Um, I think against Seville at home. Um th- they will play-, play their own game, and pose their own game upon Seville. Man City play a very attacking game. I think in their last Champions League game they're away from home. Um uh, played a very attacking game and uh, just about got away with a win, but I think at home um I think they'll get a lot more possession and uh I think I think they will. I think they'll go out and win the game. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, the other big one this week is PSG versus Real Madrid. That's obviously one to watch as well. Um, so that's the Champions League. Uh, now we move on to our mm-hmm. now we move on to our five sides uh, all-time Premier League stars. This week we've got Leicester City. So what we do, Tom, is we pick different team each week, and then we choose um, five players we think will make their all-time Premier League uh, five side team. So you have one defender, one goalkeeper, and any three others. Um, and um, the hope of this is once we've done all twenty teams we then play them off against each other. So just to give you a starter, I have gone for I don't got Mark, you give me your team, Mark. Um I think I went for Michael in goal. Yep. Uh,
0: Matt Elliott in defence. Yep. Uh midfield of Muzzy is it and um Theo. Theo Zagarakis.
1: Yep. <laughs> and up front Jamie Vardy. Okay. Uh Colin, do you want me to read yours out? Bearing in mind when Colin has picked this team, he's uh, delirious and full of medication. So, Colin, what's what's uh, your team?
2: I I am. Apologies if I'm suffering from brain brain fade right now. So, I did go with Casey Keller as my keeper, but um, I've got nothing against Casper Schmeichel. I think he's a a cracker keeper as well. Um, I went for Frank Sinclair, Uh, Muzzy, is it? Um, Heskey up front. Um, I mean, the midfielder was Robbie Savage. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, Greg has gone for Tim Flowers Matt Elliott Muzzy is it Esteban Cambiasso and Enwell Heskey Ross has gone for Casey Keller Matt Elliott Uh, Muzzy is it Jamie Vardy and Enwell Heskey Ross has also told me that I'm no longer allowed to present this programme if we don't go for Matt Elliott so that might influence your voting Um, ARPM 57 has gone for Casey Keller Jerry Taggart Muzzy is it Stevie Claridge uh, and Robbie Savage I've gone from Kasper Schmeichel, Steve Walsh, which is actually the right answer. Uh Muzzy Is it, Esteban Cambiasso and Roberto Mancini. Tom. Have you had time to go? Think?
3: I, yeah, yeah, I will go with Tim Flowers and Golds, uh Elliot, Muzzy Is it, uh Savage and Heskey up front.
1: So in the last the last three people who voted have all gone for Robbie Savage.
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: Did, right. did anybody vote for Neil Lennon? <laughs> I uh, thought about it, I thought about it, but I think most of his time was in the Championship, I think. Have oh, I got that wrong? No, he came no. for was a while in the Premier League. I remember yeah. him getting kicked in the
1: head by Alan Shearer one year, and he was oh, an established player then. And he threatened not to go to the World Cup if the
2: referee charged him with misconduct, didn't he? he, yes. he no, he head-butted Alan Shearer's foot. That's that's uh-huh. what happened, <laughs> and he was cleared of all FA charges, which allowed him to play in the World Cup, wasn't it? So, in fact, it was Lennon sent for for his
0: part
1: in that whole uh, whole fracas, having his head there in the first place. Right, we've got Casper Schmeichel two votes, Tim Flowers two votes, Casey Keller three votes. I can't they're kind of all much of a muchness, aren't they? Hmm.
2: Yeah, I was, I was in a chat with Greg earlier, and he said, yeah, he, he understands Casey Keller, he says, but it, he he was the goalkeeper when they got relegated. Well, we which, put, go I was going to say, it probably isn't a a great plus point for Casey Keller
1: being in the team, is it? But Well, we let our guest decide. He's gone with Tim Flowers, so shall we go with Tim Flowers? Happy with that? Mark? Yeah, I'm not going to argue. Okay, now this is where the arguments might begin. Defence, uh, Jerry Taggart's got one vote, Frank Sinclair got one vote, Matt Elliott four votes. Now, I can't believe that people have gone from Matt Elliott ahead of Steve Walsh.
0: I agonised about this. You, you told me last week Steve Walsh, actually. I know, but only because, you know, I think hasn't he got some interesting stories away from football? He has. He could tell you all those while you're doing the warm-up. Oh, right, OK. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, yeah, I think Walsh Walsh was actually a decent player from what I remember. Not a decent player. He wasn't as bad as you might imagine, I think Elliot was a was a good eleven a side centre half. Whether and remember we're picking this on fiver side, so I've probably talked wrongly talked myself out of Steve Walsh and gone for Elliot. But um beyond that, I think I would struggle to pick anybody else but either of those two. Steve Walsh could also play at front as well. He could, but not in a side. Well, no, probably not. You can't really play the long ball and <laughs> you, can't, you can't play direct direct in a
1: side really. No, fair enough. Um, go on then. You got you guys giving your justification for um, Matt Elliott then. It was you, wasn't it? Tom that picked him.
3: Yeah, yeah, I picked him as well. Um, he's a very steady player. Never really let them down whenever he played. Um, and, and to be honest, I just thought just thought he was better off the of the other options. i would he declare to be fair, You know, go on ahead.
1: No, sorry, I thought you'd finished, but you, you went mute. Uh, go no, on. I was going
3: to say, there's not much difference, actually, between between the other options. I mean, Walsh, again, was very reliable, very steady. Uh, as you say, he could play out front, but not on a favour side. But, um, uh, to be honest, an argument can be made for any of them.
1: Um, yeah, Steve Walsh is a club legend. He played there for yeah. an enormous amount of time. Also, Steve Bull's best friend, as well, as any Leicester City fan would know. Um I was born and raised in Leicester for the first 30 years of my life, so I spent quite a lot of time watching City. So I, that's probably where my leaning towards Steve Walsh comes from. But Matt Elliott scored in the, was it, 99 League Cup final when they beat Tranmere. I think he scored the two goals then, didn't he? Yeah, that's right.
3: Yeah. That's right.
1: Uh, yeah, I forgot about that, actually. Yeah. Uh, oh, my heart is saying Steve Walsh, but for sheer weight of numbers and the fact that I won't be able to do this anymore if uh, I don't pick Matt Elliott... I might yep. have to go with him. I have to concede. Yeah, you'll miss me, Mark, if, I don't, if I'm not here every week. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Holes and heads and stuff. Yeah. Uh, right, well, now we move to our other three players. Did anybody... Muzzy, well, I suppose, is a shooing. He's only the second person that everybody's voted for. Um, in the time I've been doing this, the only other player that's been voted for by everybody was Gareth Bale when we did Spurs that week. So should we put him in as a given? Yeah. Seen as everybody's voted for him. Uh now Emma heskey has got four votes, Jamie Varney's got two votes, Cambiasso's got two votes. Oh, Robbie Savage. Why either of you?
3: Hmm. Well for me, um, Savage was, you know, for for an average player he done very well. Um you know, in the Premier League he was uh he certainly wasn't a, one of the better players um but for me what he gave you was was total commitment courage um and and you know a real steal and a gale in midfield and for me for, for for Leicester City that's exactly what they needed at that time you know you'd have him
1: ahead of Cambiasso
3: well I mean obviously cambiasso in his prime you would have him in all day long um but uh, in terms of the, the service, that you know, to, to Leicester City for me, Savage would be would be out in front.
1: Okay, I just want to see your face today. I'm seeing you again in your Skype picture with your tracky bottoms on. You've got <laughs> Cambiasso and Robbie Savage turn up, and you've got to turn Cambiasso away.
3: <laughs> well, to be fair, uh, I'd probably take Cambiasso, but <laughs> but there you go,
1: Colin. You went for Robbie Savage. Yep, you're also the same man that wanted David Beckham in our. Um, Manchester United team. I did. So um, you've got track record with bonkers picking.
2: Well, well, I'm not alone, am I? Three votes for Robbie Savage. So if you? If, you, if, you, if you do it on votes, then he's in, isn't he? Yeah, but we're not. Um, well, we might be. Well, let's have a look. Uh, I mean, the thing is, at the end of the day, we're picking a five-a-side team.
1: Exactly. Think, he's not I a think,
2: five-a-side player, is he? Oh, I think he is. I think he's exactly the sort of player you need in there. Do you? Yeah, he's going to be running around. He's going to be putting in tackles. He's going to be... Setting up a few passes as well. Um, I, I think his style will be more suited to a a five-a-side team than some of the players that we've mentioned. Help me, Mark. Um, Mark, help me. Passion. <laughs> He's got passion. Passion. I've got passion, but you want
1: to see that. <laughs> Well, I mean, I didn't think, yes, you're right, you do need somebody who's going to
0: be a little ferret in a, in a five-a-side team, getting around the pitch, plenty of energy and so on, and, and Savage will be good for that. But I think yeah. also you need a player in a five-a-side team, and we've, so we've already got our shoe in of Muzzy is it doing this? But I think you need a player who can just get the ball, get it down, give it, and kind of direct the play from the deep lying sort of position in front of our Matt Elliott, who we've got at the back. Uh, who's going to knock the ball around? And um, I don't think Robbie Savage is that player. Especially if we if we end up picking Jamie Vardy, which I don't know how our our votes are going. Jamie Vardy would be your little ferret who would be running around like a headless chicken, but could also bag a few goals. So I don't think you need two of those in a 5 or side team.
1: Oh, so you're thinking what Cambiaso or Zagorakis then?
0: Yeah, I picked Zagorakis just because I remember him being quite a decent player on the ball, that kind of player I just described. But Cambiaso, I think you would you would say exactly the same thing about in his prime, he would be absolutely a in And, you know, he was he was pretty good for Leicester last year, even though he was, you know, he's a long way past his best.
1: Is anybody happy with Cambiasa with uh, Savage?
2: Not really. Yeah. Well, Not, not really. <laughs> no,
3: no. Because, uh, f- you know, for me, uh, you know, in the favour side, if you look at it, you don't get much time, you don't get much space. I, I would absolutely hate Robbie Savage to be playing against me because, uh, you know, he would just be in your face all the time, and I know Cambiaso would be as well. But for me, Savage always wore his heart in his sleeve, and if he's playing alongside Muzzy, is it, he can get the ball and pass it and be a wee bit more creative. Um, for me, that that combination works works a lot better with a five-a-side. You know,
1: eventually, what we're going to be doing when we have got all twenty teams, we're going to be drawing drawing them out like some kind of FA Cup draw. So They're going to be playing against. You. So Robbie Savage is going to be playing against other players in this. I just, I just okay. think Savage. You know, in your five-a-side team, you want players who are
0: very comfortable on the ball, who can play one and two-touch football with ease. And because you're going to get, you could potentially come up against Robbie Savage-type players on the opposition, who you wanna, you wanna be able to get the ball and shift it on before you get pounced on. And I think in an eleven-a-side team, you're able to carry a player whose technique is not as refined as his teammates. In a five-a-side team, when one of your players doesn't have the same skill level as the rest, it's, it's far more difficult to carry him because you're never going to have the ball to score with. So I don't see Robbie Savage as a, as a,
1: as a good all-round five-a-side player just because his technique wasn't good enough. OK, well, look, I'm going to take advantage of Colin's illness here and weakness and his inability to fight back. So I'm going to put down... I'm happy for Theo Zagarakis. I thought he was a great player. <laughs> <laughs> nice way to curry favour Chris <laughs> right uh, well we're left with one player then so you can still get Robbie Savage here uh, Jamie Vardy's got two votes Elmer heskey has got four at the right answer Roberto Mancini's only got one who wouldn't want to see Roberto Mancini he was a hell of a player
0: yeah but not at Leicester yeah but this, is, this,
1: yeah, but this is the point, isn't it? This is, you know, they're all they're all equally in their prime when we draw these teams. I mean, you know, we've got Peter Beardsley in some of these teams. Is going to be Peter Beardsley in his prime, not 2015 Peter Beardsley. No, but Peter Beardsley was super... <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to keep arguing this. Peter Beardsley was brilliant for Everton. Well, and exactly. So you, you, you've got... For Newcastle. You've got Peter Beardsley in his prime. So this is Roberto Mancini in his prime.
0: No, no, in his prime, when he was at... When he was playing... For how he performed for the two teams that we talked about. You can't tell me that Roberto Mancini was excellent for Leicester in his time there, in his six, six weeks, whatever <laughs> it was there. Come on. But for talent, as a player? No, well, no, that's not how it works. Otherwise, you know, who else could we have in some of the teams? we've?
3: Well, if, if that was the case, you, you wouldn't be putting Robbie South. <laughs> end of the, that's true. End of the Leicester <laughs> team, sure you wouldn't, you know, so, uh, yeah.
1: Okay, so... The st- the, I, could, I, could, I can see defeat on munching The ghost of Savage is still looming <laughs> large to work, Mark, so we've got to think about nice. this. Um, Heskey's got four votes. Is, yeah. is that living a little bit on reputation?
2: I, I, what I'd say for Emil Heskey is that he, he's a... Love him or loathe him, he's, he's a legend of the game. I think... He's a what? He's a what? <laughs> a legend of the game?
3: <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but...
2: Yeah. England international, okay. I mean, what what I would say so is I was think, Steve Guppy. I think it was. Um, I'm sure it was John Terry who said this. That they asked him who who was the hardest forward that he came up against, and he said Emil Heskey. He said you just knew that for 90 minutes you were going to get battered because he was physical, he was dirty, he was he was in your face, and he said he was the player that he least liked coming up against.
1: We did this the other week for Manchester United. You know, we kept coming up with quotes that from different players. John Terry oh, yes, John, yes, yes. John Terry has faced harder players than Emil Heskey. I mean, he faces Diego Costa in training every day, and, and Wayne Bridge in a bad mood. Yeah.
2: Well, hey, that, that's what he said. I'm not, you know. Just, but, just for me, just like just like Savage, I, I don't see Heskey.
0: You saying about you know running into John Terry and giving him a hard time and what have you? You can see that on a fair enough. You can see that on a on an eleven side pitch where the physicality, I suppose, is probably more pronounced between a centre-half and a centre-forward. But again, I think his touch was often awful. And I don't, I just don't see him as a five-a-side player. As much as if it was an 11-a-side team, he would, an 11-a-side Leicester City team, he'd be in it. There'd be
1: no, no questions asked. But a five-a-side team, I wouldn't be so sure. He fell over an awful lot with such a big lad as well. If he stayed in his feet and just barged people out of the way, it could have been like Joan Loma on a football pitch
2: or something. He had, he had a touch of the Lukaku's, definitely. Yeah. Have have a guess. This is a quick quiz for you. How many caps did Emil Heskey get for England? How many do you reckon?
1: 72.
2: Yeah, 50.
1: Tom, what do you reckon? Uh, 56. 62. 62? Yeah, but Phil Neville must have got about that many. True, true. Well, he got his 52 caps
0: because... He was the perfect foil for Michael Owen. and, and Sven-Goran Eriksson kept that formation, you know, for one reason or another. It was like Sheringham and Shearer. Sheringham got a lot of his caps, not because he was brilliant or outstanding, but for some reason it, it it freed Alan Shearer up. You go back even further, the same thing could be applied to Beardsley and Lineker. Beardsley played because it made Lineker play better. So, fair enough, you know, you can concede that Heskey was, of course, second fiddle by a long stretch, to Michael Owen during that time. Um, but there were a lot better strikers around than him at that time. It just worked better for Michael Owen.
1: So, how about it's... Vardy? You're uh... a 2016
2: colony. the the next big thing. You're judging him on how many games did we played this year? The Premier League.
1: Ten. He did alright last year.
2: Yeah, he didn't score a lot, but he was he, I thought
0: he was quite good. I mean, you remember where he's come from? He's come from long league football as well, to where he is now.
1: And he's improving, you know. And we need a front we can't have Robbie Savage if we've got if we've got no
2: frontman. Yeah, but hold hold on, hold on. Um, last season Leicester were in the championship. No, they weren't. Season no, before. So sorry, sorry, season before. So, you're judging him on, I don't know how, so he's scored, what, 34 for Leicester, good. Um, some of those goals have come in the Championship. Mm, I don't know, I, I can see, it. I mean, yeah, he's, he's the, the sort of the darling at the moment, isn't he? Steve Clarish, then, anybody?
1: He's got one vote, he scored the goal to get them in the Premier League back in '96.
3: No, I think he's, uh, I mean, look at Claridge, I mean, I think if you look at him and Heskey, they're quite similar in a way that they're technically not brilliant, um, but for me, you know, for me, Heskey's a better player, you know.
1: You'd rather Heskey than Claridge? Yeah, yeah,
3: he scored goals internationally, and for me, uh, that, that you know, for Claridge, <laughs> Claridge done very well, don't get me wrong, but uh, Heskey's a, a better player, was a better player, definitely.
1: First player to score in all four divisions? Claridge? Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, it's all about what you do at the top. Um, you know, if you're talking about a, a team here that's that played in the Premier League, um, Heskey, I mean, I don't know the the goals ratio, but I would assume he scored more goals. Uh,
1: I think I haven't got the things to have. I think he did, didn't he? Yeah, he yeah. did, yeah.
3: And he scored internationally as well, so um, for me... He definitely has to get on the
1: team before it large. Mark, are you happy with Emil Heskey in the team? If it means we don't get Robbie Savage,
0: I'm not going to complain about Emil Heskey. Like, as we were saying, he's probably the best forward they've had um, at Leicester in, in the Premier League era. I, I just don't see him as a five-a-side player personally, but on the you know on the proviso that it keeps Robbie Savage out. I'm more than happy to <laughs> elevate, elevate Heskey to first-team status.
1: I'm trying to think, who else would have been? He could have had Ewan uh, Roberts, you could have had Mark Robbins, people like that. Ian Marshall. Ian Marshall. Mm. There's a player. There's a athlete, if ever there was one. <laughs> uh, right, well, we're going to pick a team for next week. Um, so we'll do the same thing this time again next week, Tom. Um, we've got... Yeah. Put my hand in my hat, and out comes... Manchester City. Oh, that'll be
3: interesting.
1: Yeah. Uh, that'll be interesting. It also, the Manchester Derby next week, so it's a complete coincidence.
3: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm waiting yeah. for my
1: midfield of Georgia King Clancy and Ali Benabia.
3: The uh, centre forward, yeah, Yuri Rosler.
1: That's right, this is going to be good, this.
2: Well, yeah.
3: Yeah. If, if we pick Rosler, at
1: least
0: he hasn't been out of work
3: for too
1: long. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He'd never got a time never got a chance to sign on yeah yeah that's right
3: that's right I, I have a feeling it'll be most of the current players obviously that will be on it you know so.
1: but who knows uh, I'm just trying to think of some kind of concoction there some kind of mixture
3: can mm. you imagine
1: now Quinn and Sergio Aguero together big man little man um, no
3: no <laughs> no, no. <Fair laughs> I shout, but no.
1: Um, well that brings us to the end of our podcast but the reason we had you on this week, uh, Tommy, so you can talk a little bit more about your uh, community project you're part of. So, what's it called? What is it, and what's it about?
3: Yeah, it's called uh, Plan for the Future. Um, I originally set it up in 2009. Um, I was actually still in college at the time, and I was looking for something to do, basically something useful to do with my time. Um, and I always had a, a real passion and interest in sport and football, in particular, and uh, I I grew up in an area in Northern Ireland that was um, affected by the troubles and by the violence that was going on. And for me, cross-community work and cross-community activity um, was always very important. And being involved in football, um, you know, I had the chance to mix with people from different areas, from different communities, different backgrounds. And um, I never really seen any difference. in anybody, no matter where they were from, so I had a real passion from from the start in terms of trying to get people to mix together. Um, I have a lot of friends from from uh, all communities here in Northern Ireland, so that was the passion really behind uh, starting the organisation. Uh, we originally started started off um, with a twelve team uh, cross community tournament um, based in Portadown in Northern Ireland, and. Um, as I say, it was all cross-community work. It was developed into a sixty-four uh, team tournament um, that we held last May, and we're holding this we're holding this May again. Um, is this well, the um,
1: the Craigavon Cup? Is it?
3: It's the Craig-Avon Cup. Yeah, yeah. We were fortunate enough to get United uh, over um, last year, last May. United's uh, under tens. And this year we're getting uh, Rangers over under 10s as well. So, uh, yeah, so it's been developed from a 12-team tournament to a 64-team tournament. And uh, we now run uh, cross-community projects. Um, you know, we have a Technical Skills Football Academy that's endorsed by Clint Hill and uh, QPR, obviously. And uh, Matty James from Leicester City. Um, the two guys endorse the programme. And, um, yeah, I mean, we take in players from all different communities, all different backgrounds. Uh, we bring them together. And I guess it kind of, one of the more important things is as well is that the parents get a chance to mix together because they always, obviously, uh, grew up from a background where it was completely divided. The Kids now, thankfully, are growing up from a background that's not as divided. Um so everybody's getting a chance really to mix together, and that's really the whole ethos behind everything that we do.
1: Is there another aim to get maybe these kids in the spotlight and seen professionally as well?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, we've brought the kids over to professional clubs in England uh, before. Over, We do an annual trip uh, to England, so we've been at Leeds United, Wrexham, Aberton, um, Blackburn, Uh, One of our players is now in the Blackburn Rovers Academy, uh, doing really well, um, doing very well, actually, scoring a lot of goals every week. What's his name? Um, It's Rio McAvoy. uh, (laughs) And Rio, um, as I say, is at Blackburn Rovers and doing very, very well. We had him over with us um, on one of our trips. Uh, He took part uh, in training at the Legionnaire Academy, done very well. And uh, went to Blackburn, done very well, liked him, and got him over. So he's now living over there with his parents. You know. So yeah, I mean, it's all about uh, obviously getting bringing people together. But we do have good quality coaches working with the kids on a technical based program, and I mean, the byproduct of that will hopefully be bring through players, um, and that's what it's all about as well. You know.
1: Okay. Um. And I was reading through, have you been to Real Madrid as well to see them, how them train?
3: Yeah, yeah, I was there a few years ago, uh, looking at the academy training, um, under-21s, first team, uh, basically seeing the whole setup, see how they prepare uh, training sessions, yeah, deliver training sessions, prepare for games, and see the whole curriculum of the academy, really, you know. So it was a great experience in the facilities as well and seeing the culture and the structure behind the club. You could give um, them some
1: pointers, could you?
3: Well, no, probably not, but (laughs) I could try. I could try. I don't know if they'd listen, but uh, great experience. Mourinho was there at the time, Um, a fantastic experience, seeing the coaching that goes on within the academy, which is something that, for me, I get very passionate about and developing football players and, um, you know, the, the whole culture behind everything that they do is just uh, incredible, you know, um, and you can see why they can develop footballers and, uh, and, uh, and be a success, you know. Hmm. Um,
1: guys, have you got any questions for Tom? Sorry? I was just saying,
2: Colin and Mark, have you got any questions for Tom and the work he does? Uh, no, no, not really. I'd just, I'd just say, Tom, you know, if, you, if you've got anything to plug, like uh, if you've got a website or anything like that or or anything like that, feel free to do so.
3: Yeah, I mean, people can visit the website, it's uk, or they can go on to the Twitter page, which is plain F-T Future, uh, we've also got a Facebook page as well, which is, obviously, just search Playing For The Future um, on Facebook, and uh, it'll come up.
1: I'm just keying that in now. Plain F-T Future.
3: Yep. Found you. P-L-L-L-I-A-N-G-F-T
1: feature that's it um so through doing this as well you're trying to sort of create harmony uh between the sort of two groups and stuff i mean the reaction is it being good indifferent, or positive yeah it's very
3: positive um i mean i think over here we're we are ready to to move on there's a lot of people obviously still trying to drag us back to to the old days but uh in general people are very receptive to it um and it's been great to see the progress that we have made over the years and the big thing is to see the progress that the kids have made and and the parents and some of the friendships that have been made have been absolutely fantastic you know people have been um mixing together from from all different sides of the community and and, and remain friends you know years later which is great mm.
1: um so looking back again that's uh, at playing ft future on twitter Yep, and playingforthefuture.co.uk.
3: Yep, that's it.
1: Brilliant. Well, thank you ever so much, uh, Mark. Anything you want to plug promote? Uh, no, I'm not on the uh, I'm not on the mooch for anything this week. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're not on the crawl for anything. No, no. Okay. Uh, right. Well, thank you ever so much, guys. If they want to follow you two, Mark, how do they follow you? Uh, on Twitter, uh, you can follow me at uh, the football pink. Colin, I only wish you um, to get well soon. Um, I'm at cast 707 at Cas707 right uh, at Man on the Post is the Twitter feed com is the website if you want to leave us a five star review that's uh, very helpful for you and it pushes us up the iTunes charts any fridge magnets left? there's a few yeah so if you give us a yeah, five star yeah. review you get your name mentioned on here and you get yourself a fridge magnet mm-hmm. uh, so uh, thank you so much Colin thank you so much Mark thank you so much Tom thank you we coming in again? Yeah of course, yeah, not a problem at all, yeah. any day. Brilliant, we'd love to have you in again sometime. Uh, and all that remains to be said is always remember to keep your man on the post. <laughs>